Welcome into the Full Tilt Debbie podcast, where we stay tilting so you don't have to. I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A, joined as always by Andy Starr at ASTARFF on Twitter. We are now officially the flagship program of Full Tilt Dynasty, uh, the Full Tilt podcast network uh because the other one left us uh everyone left you know it, it's it's basically just us now but i want to say that we more took over than people just leaving you know that's really how it feels we saw uh tommy t send us some of the numbers the you know the the listens and everything you guys are crushing it uh we appreciate you all and so officially the flagship program of the full tilt podcast network how does that feel andy uh, it feels good. I mean, the quality is obviously unmatched and I get it. You know, it's threatening to be on the same feed as a podcast that's delivering such, you know, high end, high quality information on a, on a, you know, weekly or biweekly basis. So I get it. I get why they left, but you know, it's good to be number one finally and have that recognition. It's very true. And of course, Toronto Dave's in the chat. He says, in Beth, we trust. I mean, obviously, at this point, everyone knows, especially we're going to talk about some players here uh, coming up. And I mean, you know, Beth was all about it and and 100% accurate uh, in, in the offseason. And that's why we're here, baby. Yep, she's never, been <laughs> never been wrong. So let's get some uh, college football talk out of the way because for some reason Andy really wanted to talk about college football uh, before we dove into the uh, the the 2024 QB3 debate is which is uh, is what it's being called here. Uh, but and now That's so, fair, saying though, here, right? I think yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, might be the QB2 debate. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see how the rest well, of the season we'll plays see. out. I, I might have a surprise <laughs> for you by the time we get to that that part. But, oh, no. um, yep. Uh, so, <laughs> this says the college football playoff rankings are out. Are there any surprises? Uh, I have not seen them, so you're going to have to run us uh, down here. <laughs> Come on, John. Give us your hot take on the, on the college football rankings. <laughs> Nothing. Oh, oh, no, 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 not, not the college football ranking. As I was talking about the QBs later, I'll have a hot take for you. Uh, yeah, I know. But, uh, all right. So the rankings oh. are out there. Do hot. you want my, do you want my hot take for the rankings? I'll, I'll give it yeah, to you before. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, wanna, you, you, I will. Yeah. I will give it to you. Michigan should be number one. I don't know if they are. They should absolutely be yeah. number one and they will, they will be number one when it's all said and done. All right. I think that that's a good take. It might not be right, but I'm okay with it. I think they're definitely going to be in the top two. But, all right, I'm going to do my little soliloquy on the college football playoff rankings. Uh, they're obviously worthless right now. I mean, they mean absolutely nothing, but they they do provide us talking points. There's still four games to be played in the regular season, but since they provide them, we are going to talk about them, or at least I will. Um, and the first thing that astounds me is Ohio State is ranked number one. Uh, I think Georgia did a pretty good job against Florida last week. Um, Florida's a decent enough team. And then I think what they did to Florida, which is just blew them out of the water, trumps what Ohio State did, struggling to gut out wins against Notre Dame and then sort of toying around with an inept Penn State team. If you wanted to put Ohio State at two, I guess that would be fine because they are undefeated and to do 
probably have the best quality wins, or at least the most quality wins aside from Georgia, in my opinion. At this point in the season, I'm fine with Michigan at three because they have not played anybody, which we were talking about before the show. And it's going to, you know, get into our QB discussion here later. Uh, But I do think inevitably, like I said, top two, uh, because they are going to, you know, have those quality games against Penn State, Ohio State. I'm not even sure you could call the Big Ten championship a quality game because the Big Ten West is such garbage, but it will be a championship game. And then... At four and five, you have Florida State and Washington, which I think is tough because uh, they both had quality wins against LSU and Oregon, respectively. FSU struggled against Boston College. Washington let Arizona hang around. I think if Washington gets through the next three weeks against USC, Utah, and Oregon State without a loss, it's no question they're obviously going to be in, even if they do end up losing the Pac-12 championship. FSU's remaining schedule is pretty soft with Miami and and Florida may be posing some problems, but I think they could run the table and they should be in. Realistically, I do think Washington probably does lose one of those games, which would open the door for Texas or Alabama. And then the ultimate wild card in all of this is the Michigan sign stealing scandal. Uh, we're seeing, you know, that this consultant Connor Stallions, who was buying tickets to film opponents in the ear of every Michigan's top coach during the game. Also possibly now undercover in CMU gear at a Central Michigan game on the sideline filming Michigan State. I'm going to briefly summarize my thoughts here on this whole situation. I think the CFP has already stated their position. They're not going to impose any penalty on Michigan, stating that it's an NCAA issue. The Big Ten has remained quiet about it. I don't know why or where they stand on it, but they're not imposing any sort of penalties thus far. So... I, I just think that the more this unfolds, the more absurd it gets to me. I, I get trying to steal signs from actual legitimate opponents, but when you have a guy undercover at a CMU game, you know, looking at a complete inept MSU team, it just seems kind of ridiculous. And then, you know, my other question is how valuable the information is. It's it's obviously has some value where they wouldn't have this guy doing it, but signs get changed all the, all the time. And I'm by no means like a Michigan apologist. I, I do think they deserve to be punished because they broke a rule. And maybe we get more as this investigation goes on that will warrant like vacating wins. But some people are staying stating that they need to be disqualified from the, the postseason this year, which I think is just ridiculous. Uh, it's not going to happen for one. There's too much money in the line for the college football playoff, for the Big Ten, for everybody. And then two, I don't think it's fair to the players on the team. You know, the adults in the room do need to be punished. Uh, but I think you got to let these players have their shot this year if they can make it all the way. Yeah, I agree with you with the sign ceiling thing. I mean, it, it's so dumb. And, and I mean, I've heard a lot of podcasts talking about how it just everyone does it. It's just not everyone gets caught. And it's probably true. I really don't know or truly care. Um, you know, it, it doesn't really seem like that should be the thing that, like, the big thing that we're focused on because I don't think that's really like, like you said, I mean, A, I mean, it it almost seems like this one guy is, is really like truly just insane or something like that. But, um, more than that, I think that it doesn't truly matter, honestly. And this is just a hundred percent like speculation, my opinion or, or whatever. I think that it'll all be like after the fact and you know, like the NCAA is gonna say, Hey, we need to like, we need to show that we're not gonna allow this to happen. You know, if you get caught, you're gonna get a big, you know, 
something big is going to come down on you. And I think it's just going to, they're going to take away anything that they get, take it away um, in the record books. But I mean, like if Michigan wins, you know, the, the college fo- football playoff, they're still going to be the champions. It just might not have been like some record book or something like that. Like who, who actually cares at that point? Maybe teams care more than, than I'm thinking, but you know, I feel like, at that point, like you've already won, you've already celebrated, you've already done all, done all that. If the NCAA wants to, you know, take away the actual like record of it, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I think it's only just, you know, maybe like their rivals like Ohio State will hold it over their heads later on and like, oh, that one didn't count. But yeah, I mean, you'll you, still, I mean, you're still going to, everything's going to be the the celebration of that is going to happen for weeks and months and and even years and you'll be able to say hey we did this we beat ohio state which obviously if they make it to the champ you know the playoffs and all that kind of stuff they're probably going to have to beat ohio state and then go on and beat whoever else none of that's going to get taken away because of some sanction or whatever so yeah i really don't think it truly matters the fact that they've suspended this 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 consultant and he's not going to be there and from what it seems like they've, you know, stopped doing these filming sessions. So like, I don't know that they're going to be able to vacate the championship game because they're not going to have any evidence that there was any cheating going on at that point in time. So that's I don't think that that's going to happen, but I, they might vacate wins, which, you know, like you said, whatever. Um, but I do agree with you. I think that this guy, like maybe, you know, the coaching staff said, Hey, you know, do what you can to, you know, figure out the opponent's signs during the game or whatever. And he just took it to a whole new level because it, it seemed he had like this big manifesto. It seems like he's just, a, you know, an over the top kind of guy. I don't know. We're going to find more during the investigation. I don't want to speculate, obviously. So, uh, yeah, it's, but- it's so tough, but you know, like you said, what, why the hell are they looking at C- CMU games? You know, like they're, it's, they do not need that. Like it's it, these internet sleuths, man. They, they'll, they're just like scouring the sidelines, looking in this, in the, like they're looking for everything, you know, yeah. once the it, Twitter warriors get on it, but yeah. Uh, back to the actual rankings though. I, I'm with you that if uh, Washington actually does win all of those games, like they should be there. I think there's no way in hell that Washington is winning all of those games. And so I, I don't think they'll be there. I honestly don't think that Florida state deserves to be there either. Like they really haven't played too many games except for LSU, but we've learned over the season that LSU's defense is absolute garbage and they've lost to other teams that they probably shouldn't have lost to either. Florida state's a good team. Uh, in week one, we thought that they were an amazing team. I don't think that they're an amazing team right now. Like I think they're a quality team. I don't know that they actually deserve to be in the playoff. And when it's all said and done, I don't think that they'll actually be in the playoff. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to get shocked by somebody down the road here because the ACC is so bad. I mean, with Duke and Clemson, you know, they all kind of started off. Well, Duke started off hot and then Riley Leonard got hurt. Not that he was playing all that well, but you know, I guess UNC could pose a problem to them at some point down the road, but We'll, I mean, we'll see about that. UNC kind of screwed that by screwed that up by losing last week to what was it, Georgia Tech? Yeah, yeah. One of those. It wasn't Georgia. It was Georgia, it was Georgia Tech. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, like that. That was pretty bad. But once again, that's uh, you know, you got to play some defense, and these teams just do not play defense. 
Right. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we're going to see a lot changing for Michigan if they lose to Ohio State, if they lose to Penn State, if they lose either of those games, um, then maybe they will probably fall out. Obviously, if they lose both of those games, they will fall out. But if they win those games, I mean, like I said before, they have to be number one at that point, I feel like. I mean, there's oh, no, yeah. what other teams have played that caliber of, of, of teams and played and dominated and played the, the, the way that they have. I mean, like I said, if Michigan would have to be number one at that point, especially why the hell is I'm with you. Why the hell is Ohio state one, number one right now? doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Like they beat the best teams probably in the rankings with Notre Dame and Penn state wins, but I don't know if they're quality wins. Like they, they won the games, but did they really like do a good job in those games? I don't know. Not, not really. So we'll see. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of pods talking about how there's just no, like that one good team this year. And it's true. None of the teams are, are truly amazing. Um, I will give Georgia a little bit of credit. Their offense is kind of coming around. Carson Beck's getting a little bit more comfortable, I feel like, and everything. But their defense isn't nearly as good as it was in the past. So it's just not quite the same the thing that we've seen for the last two years. But you would kind of expect that or hope that. Like you, These teams can't be that dominant for that long either. You know? Yeah, I mean, when you're losing multiple guys in the first round, draft class after draft class on the defensive side of the ball, like eventually it's got to catch up with you. Like, even if you're going from like, you know, this elite tier to like this, you know, sub elite tier, it's, it's still taking a step back and they, their, their pass rush has not been anywhere near what it has been in the past. And, you know, they kind of did better than I thought last week against Florida, which, you know, gives me some hope for them for the rest of the year. Um, But yeah, it's definitely not the same team that we've seen the last two seasons. I agree. Speaking of struggling after losing first round talent, Dabo Sweeney has uh, struggled at Clemson since losing Trevor Lawrence. And it seems like Lawrence kind of uh, held that team together for the, for the longest time. And now we've seen DJU struggle and, and fall apart. And now we're starting to see, um, uh, what the hell's his name? I can't even think of it, uh, of the cube. Oh, Klubnik. Kate Klubnik. Yeah, we, but now we're seeing Klubnik uh, really struggling as well, which I never really thought that Klubnik was a quality QB, but a lot of people did. And he, uh, I mean, it's obviously not just the QBs. It's probably falling back on, on Davos when he's uh, shoulders here. So I guess the question is how much longer or how much longer of a leash does Dabo have and uh, do you think that they will actually get rid of him? So he just signed a 10-year contract before the 2022 season. Uh, Clemson obviously just lost their fourth game of the year last last weekend against NC State, which is not a good team. Um, but I think it's pretty obvious they're not going to fire Dabo Swinney this year um, or really maybe next year. But let's say we go another offseason – where he refuses to use the portal, where he admonishes NIL again with Bible verses, and then they go out and have another mediocre season, finish in the middle of the ACC. Then I think the seat gets real hot. I think, you know, if that happens again next year, in the, after the you know 2024 season, and he's he's not adapting to the new NCAA landscape, then you know if he does it a third time in a row, he's gone. I think in order to rectify 
all these issues. He probably needs a new quarterback. Like we said, Klubnik isn't the guy. And realistically, the portal is the only place where he could conceivably get that. Um, they've got Chris Vizina, the freshman on the team, who's like a highly touted uh, quarterback, but he wasn't a five-star. Um, so they're probably going to have to look elsewhere for, you know, either in the G5 ranks or somebody at a smaller P5 conference who's looking to, you know, up his his exposure to go to a program like Clemson. Uh, so he he would have to go to the transfer portal, which he has not done. Same thing with their offensive line. They can't block anything in, in pass production. Klubnik's been pressured 110 times this season. It's amazing he's only been sacked 16 times, um, which may be part of his problem, honestly. But, I mean, I'll wait and see what happens in the offseason season. If it's more the same with similar results, I think we're inching towards like a mutual parting of ways situation in a couple seasons. Yeah, I agree. And the offensive line has definitely been a problem. But like you said, what is he doing to fix it? Um, I mean, it was a problem for DJU. You know, DJU looked great for those, what, four or five games, uh, what, three years ago? And, you know, then he comes out last year, I guess, yeah, yeah three years, two years. I don't know math. Um, then he comes out last year and he, uh, you know, just looks absolutely terrible. And then club Nick is supposed to be the savior. He comes out and it looks exactly the same, but like you said, you know, hundred plus pressures, uh, maybe he's actually done a good job of not getting sacked. Maybe he's done a good job of the best job that he can do with the offensive line that they have and all that kind of stuff. Cause DJ U's gone now to the pack 12, but he actually looks decent. <laughs> He's he's putting together a, a, you know a decent season, nothing amazing, nothing that I'm gonna like write home about, but uh, better than what he how he looked uh, last year especially. So it I mean it, honestly it just might be this offensive line, but if you can't recruit, if you can't bring people in with nil or whatever, how is it gonna change? I I really feel like obviously they they signed him to a ten year contract last year it's really difficult to to make that change. I don't know how that works for uh, college uh, coaches. If, you know, it's fully guaranteed or, you know, how that works with the buyouts and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I just know he should be gone. The question is, when will he actually be gone? <laughs> My hope, if I was a Clemson fan, would be that the athletic directors, the trustees go to Dabo and say, hey, what you're doing isn't working. We still think you're a good coach, but you need to adapt here and bring in and use that, you know, the tools that we have here that you can use the transfer portal. You know, we're losing guys to the transfer portal. We need to be bringing guys in too. So it's a two way street and he hasn't been using it that way, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, it's like anything else you, you gotta, you gotta change with the times or else you're going to, you're going to get left behind and, uh, it sure seems like he is being left behind. Speaking of getting left behind, Ollie Gordon has left a lot of players behind as he has run all over defenses, uh, especially the past three weeks. It was like 280 yards like each of the last three weeks or something right around there. Um, absolutely wild. Uh, I guess the question is, is he a flash in the pan or do you think he's the next great 2025 RB? Yeah, so I figure, you know, I was I got written down here. Hold on one second. What I put? Oh, I I said I know you're excited to finally be talking about an actual player. But all right. I am curious about your thoughts on Gordon. Um 
like you said, 280 yards on the ground last week. He had 270 two weeks ago. So back-to-back weeks with over 270 yards on the ground. Three games ago, he had 168 yards on the ground, but he had also 100 yards receiving in that game. Um, His big-time run rate now for the season is at 16%. Thanks in large part, he had 13 breakaway runs in the past two games. But prior to that, it was still over 10%. He does get Oklahoma this week, which, you know, as far as like Big 12 defenses go, they're probably one one of, if not the best uh, in that Bedlam rivalry. Um, I, I just, I'm not sure that this game really even matters. You know, obviously if he gets completely shut down, we're going to have to rethink it a little bit, but I think he's going to do well enough. Like they give him enough opportunities that he's going to break out some runs at this point for 2025 running backs. I'm comfortable saying he's in the top five. Uh, obviously Judkins and Nick Singleton are probably top two. Judkins, just because he's, you know, he's finally taking a step back to where he was a season ago in the last few weeks. And Nick Singleton, not the best stats this season, but he's just such a freak athlete that I got to believe that he's going to, you know, test well at a combine. He's He's got enough numbers to where teams are going to recognize him. Uh, big enough profile as a recruit. But like, I think I prefer Ollie Gordon right now over guys like Jaden Ott and Damian Martinez, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Branson Robinson when, when, or if he comes back from that injury. And then, you know, other guys in this list or this class would be like Jamarian Miller who kind of just, you know, dissipated this season, you know, maybe he transfers and comes back. I don't know. Um, but obviously there's going to be also guys from the 24 class that, that hang around and come back next year. But I think as of right now, like, I mean, RB3, is that too high? (laughs) It might be. I really don't think so. I mean, you know, when you're comparing, like, you think of Nicholas Singleton and then you think of Ollie Gordon, and you'd probably, I mean, at least for me, I would assume that Nick Singleton has has rushed, you know, twice as many rush attempts as uh, Ollie Gordon. It's 235 to 299. Uh, for Singleton, so it's not that far off from each other, and yet we've saw we've seen Singleton fall off this season, and everyone seems to just be like, "Yeah, but he's this amazing athlete." Well, if he's this amazing athlete, he, it just show up on the field, you know. Like I'm, I'm not really gonna just bank like Rocket Sanders is an amazing athlete until he gets hurt and gains twenty pounds and everything else. Like we have to. We have to look at what what's actually happening right now. If if Singleton got hurt at the you know before the season started, we never saw him this year. Then you go, okay, yeah, he's an amazing athlete. Yada yada yada. Singleton didn't get hurt. He's just not playing very well. His uh, big time rush rate has has come way down. His, you know, like not he's not in bad by any means, and he's still well. You know, one of my top running backs in in the class, especially, but even overall. But then you look at what Ollie Gordon is doing. Now, obviously, it's it's buoyed off of these last three games. But I mean, those last three games actually happened. <laughs> you know, so like we we have to just go with what we have here. And even if he, you know, comes down to earth efficiency wise and everything, like you said, he's at what, like a 16% big time run rate this season. 
even if you combine the last two seasons, he's at a 12% big time run rate. Like it's not that crazy to think that he can continue on. Like I said, even the sample size isn't that uh, all that different than even some of the players that you were talking about. Like Jaden Knott has 352 rushing attempts um, in that time period. Damian Martinez, 292. Like they're all pretty close um, by the end of the season. If I don't think I would be that surprised to say Ollie Gordon's at the top of the 2025 class. Uh, maybe I'm not willing to put him there this second, but... You know, like you said, if we see him do it against Oklahoma, even just like have a decent game, if we see him, you know, have these what next four or five games, whatever it is, four games, um, I think we could easily say that he is right there in that mix. And the way that he's playing, there's absolutely no reason for him to not be number one in the class when it's all said and done. He has the size that we want. He's running like we want. He's hitting all of the thresholds and the metrics and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean... I'm I was kind of like anti Nick Singleton because everyone was putting him at one when he truly hadn't done all that much last year and Catron Allen kind of looked similar to him. And so I was always just like, hey, like let's see a receiving profile out of Singleton. Like let's see, you know, a little bit more out of Singleton, see if he takes over this backfield. And he hasn't done that. Nothing's changed as far as like his receiving profile, like all that kind of stuff. So how can we get overly excited about it? Except for, Oh, he's an Uber athlete. Okay. Uber athletes. Great. If, if he goes to the right system, does all that kind of stuff. Otherwise, you know, how often does Devin H Han go to Miami? That doesn't happen very often. Normally Devin H Han goes to Seattle and sits behind Kenneth Walker and you're not happy about it. That's how it normally works out. So, you know, who's to say that just because he's a great athlete that Nicholas, Nicholas Singleton um, falls in the perfect spot where they're going to use him the right way and all that kind of stuff. I need to see you're an actually good running back. Yeah, uh, I agree. And it's tough with Nick Singleton. Uh, I'm just, you know, like you said, the receiving profile wasn't great his freshman year it has improved this year he does have a reception ms of market share of over 10 percent um i i do think katron allen was probably the better receiving receiving back uh when it's all said and done but um like you said it's the big time run rate this year for nick singleton that really took a big step back um so i i get the idea of having Ollie Gordon RB one. I'm not sure I'm ready to do that just yet. Uh, just because I don't know. I feel like I don't want to helmet scout or anything, but I I've been burned on Chuba Hubbard before from Oklahoma state, uh, you know, where he had like a big sophomore season and then just sort of disappeared in his junior year. But um, yeah, I don't, it, it's been a good three weeks. Let's see him do it another season. Um, I, I know it's tough to like, because we got to do this stuff in the off season where we're doing our drafts and whatnot. I do think that he's going to go really high in Debbie leagues just because, you know, if it's an established Debbie, Debbie league, we're talking, you know, you've already drafted, you know, 75% of the guys that are going to be in the NFL anyhow. So Ollie Gordon's probably going to be available in most of those drafts. So he's probably going to be a top four or five pick in established Debbie leagues. Um, which he should be, honestly. Um, so 
I just don't know if I'm ready to put him in the top yet. I, I've liked what Quinshawn Judkins has done in the last couple weeks too. It hasn't been great, but it's been a good enough bounce back to where I can be like, okay, I'm not that worried anymore about him. So um, as of right now, he's not there, but you know, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing. So I'm not going to get angry or tell you you're wrong. <laughs> well, or anything. I'm not saying that Ollie's at one now. I'm saying I could see him being at one by the end of the season. Right. Um, you know, especially once he hits, once he you know gets some more rushing attempts under his, uh, his belt, if Nick Singleton continues on as he has, Quinchon Judkins kind of has been hit or miss, like that kind of thing. I like Jade Knott, but I mean, honestly, Jade Knott hasn't really moved too much for me because he kind of has these boomer bust games. It's understandable, you know, playing at Cal, they don't have the best offense. They don't have the best offensive line, best, you know, whatever. So like, it's, it's understandable, but like he, he definitely has these, these boom and bust games. So he kind of has just stayed right around where I've always had Jade, not um, Damien Martinez is, has been great. I've always been a big fan of him, but you know, he, uh, he has some things that bring him down a little bit. Like his, his PPR points per touch aren't nearly as high as I would like them to be. I, I kind of like to see that like 1.0 uh, PPR points per touch threshold and he's not quite there. And so like, there's just some question marks about like all these players. So I'm, we have time to figure out what we, uh, you know, who's going to be number one and all that kind of stuff. But like you said, I think Ollie Gordon should be in the mix at the very least. Yeah. Since we're talking 25 running backs, I just want to throw another name out there and see where he's at in the Beth system. Uh, Kansas state deep, DJ Giddens. So after he had that huge game, I forget what it was. It was like 200 and something yards and whatever. Eight receptions for like 80 yards. Yeah. Yeah. He skyrocketed up. He's fallen a a little bit uh, since then, but I have him uh, directly behind Trevor Etienne in in the class. And so he's not in a bad spot by any means. I think is um, like... I want to say I was listening to the back to Debbie pod and they were talking about uh, LaQuint Allen and they were saying how they had LaQuint in like their top five. I don't want to put words in their mouth. Go listen to their pod. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, But I want to say that they they had LaQuint in like their top five of the class and I'm definitely not there. Um, He's, I have Giddens ahead of, of LaQuint Allen. So I don't know if that really like tells you too much or not, but uh, he's he's right behind Trevor Etienne and right above LaQuint Allen. I think that's a good spot for him. Like he's been good. Like he hasn't been great. Like last week, ninety six yards, a couple touchdowns. He usually gets like one or two catches, and you know that's about it. But you know, over seven hundred yards, eight total touchdowns on the year, to over twenty receptions on the year, two hundred and ten pounds. So I think he's a guy that, you know, will end up being a second or third round rookie pick when it's all said and done, probably a third round, honestly. But, um, you know, since we're talking like Debbie drafts next year and like established Debbie leagues, I think he's a guy that ends up going in like the second or third round of those Debbie drafts when not like startups, but like, you know, once he got like Debbie depleted, maybe even the first round. I don't know. What do you think? Now, I might have just found a mistake. I have DJ Giddens as a junior. That's not to say that I think that he's actually going to come out or anything like that. He obviously, he has the same amount of rush attempts as Ollie Gordon. So, I mean, that that's, 
you know, who's to say what will actually happen, but, uh, is he actually a, a true sophomore? Do I need to change that? I am checking my resources as we speak. <laughs> All right. Uh, Cause I mean, honestly, like if you're looking at it, he has an eight percent big time run rate, uh, over the past couple of years, three receptions right. per game. Okay. So yeah. So I mean, so that does he change technically, so he yeah. is technically a junior, but he is, uh, I don't think he's coming out. Like no, maybe he will. Out. I'm it's not it's not the greatest running back class, so maybe he will come out, but I, I really don't like I wouldn't expect it. Yeah, no, you're right. He is um 2021 class, so this is his third season. And so I, I really think that that's kind of what it is. Like I feel like for being a junior, that you would expect him to have slightly better numbers and everything than these sophomore players, and yet he's kind of doing the same things that these sophomore players are doing. And so I'd rather just have the sophomores, you know, <laughs> when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think I would be on the same page with that. I think uh, fan tracks threw me off there because they have him as a sophomore, but that's why you need to go to oh, 247 so, and check the recruiting. Yeah, folks. it's so tough, man. Like they, they'll have players as a sophomore and then you come to find out that they were Juco transfers and they're actually, you know, they're actually a fifth year player. And I did that right. with uh, Devontae's Walker. You know, uh, yeah. they, they had him as a junior. I don't know if I remember if it was fan tracks or where, but uh, somebody had him as a junior. It might have been sportsreference.com. And so I, I had him as junior in my in my model, and I was like, holy shit, I love Devontae's Walker. Like, he is amazing. And then Dirty Mike uh, from C2C, the C2C boys, was like, yeah, dude, he's a fifth-year player. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I like him. I don't like him nearly as much as I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, but I think that is enough about college football. We're here to talk 2024 QB3, possibly QB2. <laughs> we're we're going to get into that here in a little bit. Um are you going on a drink or or do you you got time or you need a 30 second right or, or a 3 second? No, you can Oh, there you go. You can do whatever you want, man. I got I I'm just pouring my champagne right here. It's one of those kind of nights. <laughs> I like to hear it. All right, so we're going to do a three-second break, and we'll be literally right back. And we're back. So uh, appreciate you guys sticking around for that long break. But like I said, we're going to be talking about the 2024 QB3 debate. We have a list of players here. Um, it's actually missing probably the most important player which uh, andy didn't realize when he was making this list but we'll get into that here in a little bit but i believe the consensus for just about everyone is that caleb williams and drake may are the top two maybe there's some fluctuations in uh and who the top one is <laughs> uh over the past few weeks because caleb williams has definitely been falling off since he actually started playing some like actual teams but you know, we're just going to go ahead and say Caleb Williams, Drake May, they're the top two. That's not changing. Now the question becomes, who is the QB3 of the class? Because we have quite a few entrants here, and yet, you know, we, we kind of need an answer. Like, especially, that's our job as Debbie analysts is to figure out who is that QB3 so that we can go trade for them, draft them, do whatever, like that kind of thing. So... Um, I'm going to do in no particular order. I'm going to literally randomize it here. Um, the list that you put out was Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., J.J. McCarthy, Jackson Dart, Michael Pratt, 
Jordan Travis and Quinn Ewers. Um, yeah, and, and I apologize. Uh, I know what you're talking about, Jaden Daniels, and that is he correct. Probably should be on there, <laughs> um, especially over some of these guys like Quinn Ewers, but who's not even playing right now. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's all good. I just, I mean, honestly, I didn't know if you just forgot about him or if you truly omitted him. Um, I didn't and obviously, we him. just did. Yeah, we we just did our uh, our mock draft, and I drafted him at what like two hundred seven or something like yeah. that. No, so, I just do these show uh, sheets pretty like, high on while him. I'm while I'm literally working, and I just go from the top of my dome, and sometimes things get passed over. It's all good. So why don't we? You want to start with the honorable mentions and just talk about why they're honorable men- honorable mentions and and why they're not truly in the mix. Yeah, well, Quinn Ewers, I think we can just get out of the way. I, th- I think he's underwhelmed this year. He's not making big-time throws. He's not available. Uh, he, you know, he had the big game against Alabama, which nobody can take away from him. But, uh, yeah, it just has been kind of an underwhelming season. I think he needs to come back and show us elite NFL traits before we can start considering him a top tier NFL quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see what happens because I know Texas is very excited about Arch Manning and getting him moving along. Uh, I don't know if he wants to sit there until he's a junior before he actually sees meaningful playing time. So yeah, that's why Quinn Ewers is not really in my discussion for QB three at this point in time, but threw him on there because people love the name and people, you know, love that he was the number one rated recruit of basically all time and there's take lock among a lot of folks who still think Quinn Ewers is is going to be this great NFL quarterback but as of right now I don't see it yeah I tend to agree with you I've been there basically the entire time and we had what we had Quinn Ewers like barely above the Will Levis line which is I mean, the Will Levis line is pretty hilarious after this la- this last week of uh, NFL football, but I think that uh, we will be right back to the Will we Levis were definitely line. Definitely wrong, being... man. Will Levis is the best quarterback of all time. Didn't you see he threw four touchdowns? Four There's touchdowns. No I test. didn't. The I think the hilarious part is that people absolutely hate Marcus Mariota, and yet the only there's only two other QBs that. Uh, through four touchdowns in their debut, and it was Fran Tarkenton and Marcus Mariota. And they're like, yep, he's the greatest of all time. Will Levis, you know, like couldn't possibly be bad. Yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, I think yeah. Sam Howell very... also threw four touchdowns last week, and nobody's clamoring about him, you know. So yeah, and yeah, he's actually been doing it for for multiple weeks. Like he, yeah, I just yeah. wrote up about Sam Howell. He's been a top twelve QB five out of eight weeks. Like. He is uh, the definition of, of crushing it. Uh, but, you know, we look at, like, Jordan uh, Jordan Love. We're completely off on a tangent now. But like, we, we look at Jordan Love and, uh, you know, it, it, like, look look at what he did the first two weeks of the season. And now they're literally talking about, like, benching him. He's not the quarterback of the future, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just yeah. hilarious. But so we have the Will Levis line for a reason. I know it doesn't make as much sense after last week, but it'll make more sense in the future. Uh, we have the Will Levis line for a reason. Quinn Ewers was barely above it. Um, you don't love to see that. And so 
nothing's truly changed. I mean, he hasn't done anything to make us think that he is the chosen one that everyone thought he was. Um, I feel like he's made mistakes along the way, leaving high school early, going to Ohio state, doing all that kind of stuff. Like if he had just kind of played a senior year, you know, done everything the normal way, he'd probably be a better quarterback right now, but he's just not. And so we just have to, he's going to be back. I don't know if he's going to be back at Texas because that's a whole other ordeal. Like what has Texas promised uh, Arch Manning and the NIL deals and all that kind of stuff. Like is Quinn going to be back there? I don't know, but he, I think he will definitely be back in college football. Michael Pratt is cool. It's a great story. He's not an actual NFL QB. He's just not. Um, like you, you have to do a lot more. You have to hit much better thresholds at the college level if you're going to be in uh, in the G5 conferences. And he just hasn't done it. Like he's done enough to be on people's radars, but not enough to be an actual QB. And then Jordan Travis, honestly, like he he's done. He's hit some thresholds that I like to see. He's a fifth year player, so that obviously hurts things. And and I would I would possibly have him. I would have him above uh, two other players on this list that are not honorable mentions. So like I I might want to have Jordan Travis more in the mix, but he's still not truly in the mix for my QB three when it's all said and done. So I'm perfectly fine with him like actually being an honorable mention here. Um, so. Why don't we get into uh why don't we get into the two fifth and sixth year respectively players here? Uh the other ones that we are we already talked about Jordan Travis and Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix on the list. They're that they have some like really weird and funky uh college careers, but both have been kind of lighting it up the past couple of years in the Pac-12, of course, because you have to go to the Pac-12 so you don't play any actual defenses. And now they're completely lighting it up, that kind of thing. What uh, Have they done enough to, to look past it being a fifth and a six-year uh, player? and or, or do you think that they need to do more being in the Pac-12, not having played any defenses, yada, yada, yada? Yeah, so... What I like about both of them is really low interception percentages, very high volume efficiency offenses. Um, Penix doesn't take sacks, which is great. Um, really not much to complain about statistically with Penix right now, but you do, you know, you mentioned both of these guys, weird college trajectories, like really underwhelmed at other institutions, had to transfer out. And now they're both going to be 24 by the time the draft rolls around. Um, There's a few things I don't like. Obviously the age is one of them. Both of them are in offenses that I think really kind of inflate their, their stats. Like how much of Penix's success is related to Kalen DeBoer? How much of Bo Nix's success is related to the Dan Lanning offense? Because Bo Nix, if you, I mean, I would have Jordan, (laughs) I put Bo Nix on here just because he, he's on a lot of the NFL mock drafts, but I think I would put Jordan Travis above Bo Nix for sure. Um, his A dot is six and a half, which is, I you know, how is that even possible with the guy who's throwing 21 touchdowns is because he's in this offense that really makes him look like an elite quarterback when what he's doing is not elite. Like his big time throw rates, I think it's in the two percentage, maybe even less than that. 
Um, he's he's like a super game manager. He's getting twenty touchdown seasons, thirty touchdown seasons, but like you know, people like to call JJ McCarthy a game manager. I think Bo Nix is like the actual game manager, but you wouldn't get that impression if you looked at his statistics because he's throwing 260 balls a game, but are not a game, but in the season up to this point, but you know, outside of his shots to Troy Franklin, like what are those passes? It's not really much. So, and same thing with Penix, not really the same thing, but how much of it is related to the system? You know, he's got these three wide receivers who are all getting like almost four yards per route run. Uh, is that related to Penix or is that related to the scheme? I, It's hard to say that Penix is that good because we've seen him for three plus years at Indiana and he wasn't doing anything close to that. So um, that's why there's question marks. And then you add the age, which we've already talked about on top of all that. And it just adds up to a lot of red flags for me. Yeah, honestly, with both of them, it seems more like volume based, uh, you know, like the offenses are prolific. And so people th- start to think that the QBs are prolific. And it's just not truly the case. It's it's just more that they, th- the high volume of the offense, like when you actually look at like Michael Penix Jr., his PPR points per touch or, or per pass attempt is uh, 0.65, which is, you know, fairly low, especially when you're talking about like the top QBs and everything. Uh, Bo Nix is at 1.05, but then you look at Bo Nix and he's 3.7% big time throw rate over the past two years, 6.95 uh, IAY or average depth of target. Like that's not an NFL QB. <laughs> Neither one of these guys are NFL QBs. Um, Penix does have the big time throw rate and the intended air yards, but it's the Pac-12. Uh, you know, just like I don't, I I feel like when it's all said and done. It's more, like I said, volume-based for those two players. And then when you factor in the fact that they're fifth- and sixth-year players, I just I want nothing to do with them. Like, any, if I had them on, on a squad and somebody was like, oh, yeah, you know, Michael Penix Jr. is the QB3 in the class, I'd be like, great, you buy him for, from me. <laughs> like, I will I will give you anything. In fact, my co-host, uh, uh, Aaron Wilcox, at Aaron Wilcox 86 on Twitter, uh, he traded Bo Nix for Shadur Sanders today and i thought that that was a great trade because like i don't necessarily think that shadur sanders it was a c2c league not a debbie league i should i should mention that um i don't think that shadur sanders is a quality nfl qb either but at least in a c2c league you have another year uh, of eligibility and we're assuming he's coming back and all that kind of stuff um and i, I would say that he has a better shot of being an nfl qb than bo Nix does uh, so I, I love making those kind of trades. You know, if you can get, especially in the CSC league, if you can get like an extra year of eligibility on the college side, something like that. Those are the kind of trades I want to make. Yeah. And I think that point kind of brings us to a larger question or discussion is like, what is the QB three really worth? Like if you can get value for that position, wouldn't you want to take it right now? Like, are we betting on JJ McCarthy actually being, and, and and we'll talk about him more here in a minute, of course, but you know, are we sitting here and saying it's like a can't miss prospect right now? Or would we say like, Hey, people are valuing these guys as, as like the, the dynasty equivalent of a late first, let's say, 
because they think they're going to be the QB three and potentially a first round draft pick right now. Is it worth it to like cash out on that right now if you can and get like a you know wide receiver two or something for uh, your NFL side? So I mean, we might as well just dive into uh, JJ McCarthy here. Uh, he is actually my QB three in the class, so it's uh, same here. Like I honestly like. He's done everything that I've wanted him to do this season, except for play like quality defenses or play quality teams. However, he has two quality teams that he's going to be playing in in Ohio State and Penn State coming up, and then we'll have our answer. So, I mean, if he continues playing like he's been playing, he's easily the QB3, maybe even make an argument that he jumps up to QB2, uh, depending on what happens over the next you know few weeks. But at the very least, I think he solidifies himself as a QB3, assuming that he's playing anywhere close to how he's been playing. 6.9% big-time throw rate, 10.6 intended air yards. This is over the past two-season average. 1.09 PPR points per touch. I mean, that's what I'm looking for in a QB. Uh, He's throwing down the field. He's making quality plays at, at a high rate. And he's scoring points at a high rate, so yeah, people are going to point to his uh, his actual like counting stats and say, "Oh, but you know, he's only attempted what'd you say earlier, like 190 pass attempts or whatever it was." Yeah, yeah it's, he, it's 160, it's, 169, 169. It's true, but it, that's just the offense. Like, a they don't have the greatest receivers. I mean, like Roman Wilson wasn't even a thing until this year because JJ McCarthy has made him a thing. And I mean, other than that, they really don't have receivers and the offense is a run first offense. So we have to look past counting numbers just because he doesn't throw, you know, 5,000 yards or whatever it is. Look at what he's actually doing. And with not the greatest supporting cast, he is looking absolutely amazing. Now, if he completely falls off against Ohio state and Penn state, we have to change our minds, whatever. But I mean, he's put together a solid two seasons here, uh, last year and this year. And I mean, I think it, it would be really difficult for you to change my mind right now until he plays those two other games and see what happens. It would be extremely difficult for you to say whatever you're going to say and change my mind that JJ McCarthy should not be the QB three right now. Uh, I'm not going to say anything to change your mind. Cause I, I agree with you at this point in the, in the season. And I do think you're right. Like he's going to have a chance to prove it against either, whether it be Ohio state or Penn state, or if it has to wait until the college football playoff. But I do think that that's what I really want to see to make me think, okay, this, you know, big time throw rate isn't an anomaly. This 93.8 QBR is not an anomaly. I want to see him take, have a game where he has to throw 30 passes and maybe dig them out of a hole where they're behind in the second half against a quality opponent. And it may not happen because, you know, Michigan is just a lot better than a lot of these teams. And they have all their defensive signals, of course. But, um, you know, you should have an opportunity to show that off, I would think, in the college football playoff or Ohio State in the coming weeks. But, you know, it's just one of those things where all we can work on is what we have right now. And right now, you know, the big the big time throws are there with, like you said, not a big supporting cast. I think Roman Wilson has looked fine. Um, outside of that, I don't think anyone can name a wide receiver on, on their roster besides their tight end, maybe Colson Loveland. But it's it's been really, you know, Blake Corum 
that kind of drives the offense. Like they're just going to feed Corum and, you know, just win that way because, you know, why not? It's not, it's not failed them yet. And it probably won't fail them again this weekend where they play Purdue, who's not anything. So they're just not going to change the formula, which is unfortunate because, you know, when you got a talent like JJ McCarthy, obviously we want to, you know, take the, you know, let him see what he can do really, but it hasn't happened so far. And really the only game that we can hearken back to is the TCU game in the cultural playoff last year where he threw two pick sixes. So that obviously stays in everyone's memory too, but um, this season's looked good so far. Let's see what happens. He's, he's the Heisman front runner right now, by the way, which is rightfully so. I mean, he's got the best opportunity with games remaining to really uh, solidify his, his, uh, his resume for that award. So if he keeps it up, there's no reason why he shouldn't win it, but that's just kind of where we're at right now. Absolutely. I I agree with you. And I was trying to look at his, um, his game log before you finished Uh, from last year. I was uh, trying to look at the actual stats that he had. If, if he had, 343 passing yards and two touchdowns and two interceptions against TCU. Do you think that people would be freaking out? I don't think so. But when you say two pick sixes, I think it makes such a a big difference. But I think for the most part, obviously, like there's some, there's some factors that play into it where a pick six may just be the quarterback's fault. But I say for the most part, a pick six is like, ah, shit. You know, like it, it just, it, everything worked out perfect. The defense scored a touchdown. It's not necessarily any worse than a regular interception, but it sounds so much worse because obviously it affected the game and that kind of thing. Uh, but if we played that game a hundred times, how many times does he actually throw two pick sixes? Um that's me defending my boy, obviously, but I'm just saying, like, I, I just think if it was just two picks, not that two picks is great or anything like that, but I feel like it's so much better than two pick sixes. It just sounds terrible when it's all said yeah. and done. But I think that, honestly, like like I said, there's nothing you really could have said, or anyone, not just you. Um, I value your opinion, <laughs> but I, I, there's nothing that anyone could have said to change my mind that J.J. McCarthy is the QB3 right now. Obviously, that can and and possibly will change. I think the real question is, who's the QB4 and even the QB5? I think that there's actually five QBs that matter in this draft class right now. Um, That's not something we can say in every draft class, and it's definitely not something we can say in next year's draft class. But I think that right, at least right now, there are five uh, QBs that I would be willing to like have trade for, have on my team, like that kind of thing going in. And I think the important thing is trying to figure out who QB four is. And that's where we'll get into uh, two of the players that, that I've kind of, I don't, I don't want to say fallen in love with or anything like that, but um, who would be who, more importantly, who would be your QB four if we were talking right now? Um, I would probably take Penix, honestly. And I have the question marks and the red flags, but I also uh, take into account 
you know, what the NFL people are saying, and they're saying that Penix is probably going to be a first round pick. I don't think it's going to happen inevitably, but that's what they're saying right now. Um, Ultimately, I don't think the QB four in this class is going to be a viable NFL player. So I I think, I think, you know, like you said, there's five guys in this class that let's say maybe five or six that are going to get legitimate opportunities to start in the NFL. Um, I think that it's unreasonable to think that even half of those guys remain starters for more than like two or three seasons. Um, But I think that they're, they're going to get this class has so much talent at QB that at least five, maybe six guys are going to get really like a a season to prove themselves uh, at some point. So I think Penix is, is, such a has such a big arm that somebody's going to take a chance on him. Um, unfortunately, like for me, I don't like Penix all that much. He's not very mobile. He's not going to like extend plays. He can, he can avoid sacks. Like he's got good pocket presence, but the NFL is, you know, not at that point right now. Like you need to be able to move around out of the pocket and make throws, but, and that's not his game. So I would probably take Penix just based on like a value perspective but i mean i get i get where you're going with you're going to take probably like Jaden daniels i'd imagine as qb4 and the numbers are there he is having a, a fantastic season um for me i have size concerns with him and i also have the memory of what happened his last couple seasons at arizona state so and last season you know he he played well at lsu last season but he wasn't like an elite passer it was more like let's see what Jaden Daniels can do on the ground last year. And now like he's kind of taking that step forward as a passer in his fifth year, by the way. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some question marks, but I mean, you were comparing him to a six year player in, in uh, Michael Penix jr. So, I mean, we, we can throw, (laughs) we can throw that analysis out. uh, I think at that (laughs) point and just look at like what they're doing and Jaden Daniels in the sec playing some quality competition, has looked amazing. I mean, by far amazing. And and once again, these are multiple seasons put together, but you know, 5.7% big time throw rate, 9.2 intended air yards, which is way higher this this uh year. But uh that you know, that's the combined from the last two years, and then 1.01 PPR points per touch. Oh, anything over that that one uh PPR points per touch is just amazing. Like that's what we love to see. And it's in the SEC. It's against quality programs. Michael Penix Jr. in his sixth year, and you know he's going up against the Pac-12 and not really looking amazing. You know, each week, even you know like when he goes up against an Oregon or like the better Pac-12 teams, not looking all that amazing. Um, Jaden Dan, and also Michael Penix Jr. has no rushing to his game whatsoever. Like he does not run. Um, Jaden Daniels is a prolific runner. Like honestly, he's he is probably one of the better or best running quarterbacks in college right now. Um, the, the question, like you said, is the size, you know, can he hold up like all that kind of stuff? Um, hasn't truly been a problem in college. Obviously it could possibly be a problem in the NFL, but I think that he has that elusiveness. He has that athleticism that we covet. And so that's another thing that we should look at here for the QB four. I mean, we're not, when you're talking about QB four in a class, like generally speaking, you're not really like asking for much. And so, you know, when the QB four is a, uh, 
is a guy that's a dominating college football, a Heisman uh, finalist, most likely, I would say at this point, and is a prolific runner. Yeah, sign me up for that guy. But when the season started, there were three or there was two QBs, uh, Drake May and Caleb Williams, that were in the top tier. And then there was a tier break, and then there was another tier break, and then there was my QB three. Okay, now that this this season has played out, my QB three has moved up into the top tier. Now with you know with those other two, now once again that's uh <laughs> that's JJ McCarthy, and he has some some tough roads ahead, so that could change before the end of the season. But the important thing is the QB four Jane Daniels for me has moved up into the next tier. And so he's only one tier behind these other guys, which when, you know, when it's all said and done is pretty crazy. Like that just shows how amazing he's been this year that this fifth year player has jumped up an entire tier to be this amazing, uh, you know, possible NFL QB. And so I, I love having Jaden Daniels. Like I, I took him at what, like 207 in our mock draft. Like I would absolutely love to get Jaden Daniels at 207 in a rookie draft. We'll have to see how everything plays out, you know, with the NFL and all that kind of stuff. But man, he is—he looked amazing. I don't know if uh, if you pay attention to Travis May and his tweets, but he's been posting—I forget what it's called—something like modified QBR or whatever it is. Uh, basically, it's just showing like who's who's essentially been the best QBs in college football this season, and it's literally. Uh, Jaden Daniels is a tier ahead of elite. So whatever that is, I forget forget what he calls it, but he's literally a tier ahead of elite. And he's uh, Travis May has been following and researching this stuff for years and years and years. And he said that it may be one of the best like statistical college seasons ever in the history of, of like college football. That's how he's playing right now. So give me Jaden Daniels at QB4. Yeah, and like this is an important discussion to have because, like I said, there's probably going to be five or six guys that get an opportunity. It's not a guarantee that the top three guys are the ones that end up hitting. Like, you know, there's going to be like a Jalen Hurts potentially. Like, where was Jalen Hurts going when he was going in rookie drafts, middle of the second round? So these are guys that you want to, like, if we're getting day two draft capital on some of these guys, you're going to want to take them in the middle of the second round if they're there because. The fact that if a quarterback gets drafted in the second round, it's basically a guarantee that he's going to get like a season's worth of starts at some point in his career. So to get a season's worth of starts in the NFL, a quarterback as a rookie for a mid-second rounder is like a no-brainer. So, yeah, I mean, this is important information to have, obviously, too. I agree, which is why I think that, you know, I think it, it just become – the norm or the consensus to uh, speak to just have Michael Penix Jr. there or Bo Nix. And I think we've both just said, like, it's not Bo Nix, 100%. Uh, but then, you know, the question becomes, is it Penix Jr. or or Jaden Daniels? Like, I, I'm I'm 100% out on Penix Jr. I, I just don't think he's all that great. So I'm, I'd, I'd definitely have tied my, uh, <laughs> tied off to Jaden Daniels here. But then I think that there's one other viable QB in the class I mean, obviously, we talked about the honorable mentions here already in Michael Pratt, Quinn Ewers, Jordan Travis. Uh, I don't think any of them are, like, truly going to become anyone that, like, we care about. Maybe they'll be 
you know, fourth, fifth round picks and rookie drafts that we would pick up like a DTR from last year or like something like that. Um, maybe like an Aiden O'Connell, who's now uh, the starting QB of, uh, of the Raiders. So, you know, like not, not saying that they can't have value whatsoever. Just saying that I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider them overly valuable right now, but Jackson dart has moved into my QB five uh, slot for the class. And honestly, I really feel like it's more of a question is, does he actually come out? Then do I think he's good at this point? I think he's done enough to where I say he's good. He's fine. Like he, he's not, he's not in the top tier. Uh, he might not even necessarily be in the second tier, but if he's not in that second tier, he's easily at the top of that third tier and could possibly even work his way up, you know, by the end of the season into that second tier. But he's kind of where I want to say that Jackson dart is kind of where I had a Brock Purdy from a couple of years ago where it's like, He's not amazing. He hasn't done everything right, but man, he he kind of has some of the tools that. And I mean, Purdy's kind of you know work, went to the best situation, all that kind of stuff. So it's maybe not even the best example, but um, I'm just trying to think of like somebody's like. I mean, I I had Sam Howell way higher than Jackson Dart, but I mean, I'm just thinking of like how other people would compare him. Sam Howell being a fifth round pick, like that kind of stuff. You know, I I could see that same same kind of thing happening with Jackson Dart. But I kind of think that he he might not think that he's done enough. Maybe the NFL doesn't think that he's done enough, and he's going to go back. And it might actually be a great decision for him because who the hell's who's who the hell's in the 2025 class? Like the QBs are terrible. He could go from the QB five in the 2024 class to the QB two, maybe even the QB one in the 2025 class when it's all said and done. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, I agree 100% with that. He's been good. Um, I don't think that he does any singular thing better than anyone else that we've already talked about. Um, but I think he's like, you know, above average to good to maybe even great in a lot of things. I do think that he turns the ball over more than obviously more than anyone that we've talked about so far. Um, only four interceptions, but he, he does have more fumble. I think he's got – I'm pulling it up right now. I think he's got three fumbles as well. Um, he yeah, is, he has a 2.6% interception rate, which, you know, compared to uh, J.J. McCarthy's a 1.9, Drake May 1.5, Caleb Williams 1.3, Jaden Daniels 1.4, um, you know, even uh, – where the hell is – Pratt's at 2.3 – uh, yeah, Michael Penix is at 2%. So, I mean, Bo Nix is at 1.4. So, I mean, he's by far the highest, but yeah. he's right at that threshold. Like, I really... 2.6 is definitely higher than I feel, like, overly comfortable with, which is why one of the reasons why he's in Tier 3, you know, rather than Tier 2 or, or, or above. Um, but it's that when you get into, like, the 3% or higher, like, Will Levis was, like, 3.6%, like, an entire percentage point, which one percentage point might not sound like a lot, but when you're talking, like, college metrics and stuff, it's actually quite a bit. <laughs> the other thing is, like, he's a pretty good rusher, right? He's got almost 500 yards rushing on the season. I wonder you know, how sustainable that is. Cause I don't think of Jackson Dart as like this overly mobile guy. And maybe that's my own fault. I don't think of him as like this Uber athlete, 
and he also has seven touchdowns this year. And I, I don't know if that's sustainable either. Uh, and I know that your model does weigh in like PPR points per touch, which, you know, when you talk about rushing touchdowns, it's going to improve that data point quite a bit when he's got seven touchdowns through eight games on the ground on top of, you know, his passing numbers. Um, so I think you're hundred percent right about him staying because this 2025 class is so brutal that at this point I would, I would take Jackson Dart over just about all of them, you know, depending on what happens with Connor Wigman. Um, and, you know, if Drew Allard decides to actually throw some legitimate NFL passes next year, which hasn't happened up to this point. So, yeah, I think with the, the wealth of talent at QB in this class, and he's going to be going up against guys that, you know, teams might value more than him just based on a sheer numbers perspective. You know, he might get lost in the shuffle and end up being like a third or fourth round draft pick if he comes out. So I think he should stay. And then based on what we've seen so far, like you said, the the turnovers are a bit concerning. If he can get that number down a little bit, which has always been kind of a concern with Jackson Dart, um, why not have him as like a top two, top three 2025 quarterback next year? Because, I mean, I I would put him – it feels weird to say this, but he's had a better season than Quinn Ewers. Like, there's no reason that – there's no reason that he should be below Quinn Ewers right now from what we've seen. So, um, nope. I would – yeah, I think he should stay. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, the, the way that the model works, it has all of them together, and he's easily above all of those guys in the t- 2025 class. The only player that I have above him right now is Connor Wegman, and, I mean, we don't have a true picture of Connor Wegman because he obviously got hurt. So, um, unfortunately, the way college football works, they probably played – Wegman probably played a pretty easy schedule in the beginning of the season, then he gets hurt, so we don't truly know who he is, but – I think both of us were pretty hyped on on Wegman, you know, going into the season. Uh, it doesn't blow my mind that he's would still be up there or anything like that. Uh, but you know, I I also wouldn't argue with you if you were like, now nah, Dart deserves to be number one right now over Wegman. I really wouldn't argue with you all that much. And you know, we're talking about the interception rate for Dart. He did have eleven interceptions last year. He only has four this year. So I mean, it seems like. We talked about it, you know, before we actually jumped on, but like it seems like Dart has truly taken a step forward this year, um, and that's what we want to see. We want to see quarterbacks take a step forward, become better players, and so obviously that eleven, those eleven interceptions don't go away. It's part of the model. That's why he's at two point six percent. But every throw that he makes, if he keeps playing the way he's playing that interception rate's going to go down and down and down and down. And I'll say it's probably half the reason why he's moved up in the model is because at some point last year, especially like he was probably at over 3% and that's going to kill you in the model because I just don't like, I, I don't care who you are. If you're over 3%, I really don't want anything to do with you. And so it's probably just dropping, dropping, dropping all of a sudden. It's like, Oh, this guy's actually draftable. Like this guy has done something to fix something, you know, whether it's fixing your footwork, uh, getting, you know, getting better, uh, receiving core, whatever it is, something has clicked and you've become a better player. I just, unfortunately don't think that he's actually going to come out this year. And so I think that's really the problem, but then it just becomes kind of an exciting player for 2025. We, you know, we're going to see this, uh, this senior now at that point, if it, if it does happen, hopefully even take another step forward 
And then we could truly say like, he is the QB one in that class, which is kind of crazy when you think about it, but that's where we are. It is crazy because I, I am a known Jackson dart. Hey, I don't know. Hater. I don't know what I'd call myself, but I think that he got, he was getting artificially pumped up when he was at USC and then I felt vindicated after last year at old, his first year at Ole Miss, where he threw what eleven interceptions, something crazy. Um, so, yeah, he's he, he's done a lot to. I think the fact that people kind of forgot about him this year it makes him a pretty big buy for me right now, honestly, because I don't think a lot of people are thinking about him as the twenty twenty five QB one right now. They're probably thinking about him as the twenty twenty four QB six or seven. So. If that's the case, then you know maybe set out send out some feelers and see what people want for him. Because if it if it's nothing, then I would take that chance. Because I'm not saying he's a QB one either. By the way, he I wouldn't argue like you said I wouldn't argue with you if you did if he if he comes back and and you know he's had com- continues the season that he's having then it's hard to say well you're wrong because Wigman honestly before the injury he was he looked very similar to Drew Allar. And the same questions I had with Alar, I had with Wigman. It's like, well, he hasn't really had these big time throws. He hasn't played anybody. And then Alar played Ohio State, and he looked like garbage. So it's it's a it's a question that we're going to have with Wigman until we actually see him play a full SEC schedule. Unfortunately, so I mean, it, just thinking about it right now, I feel like I just need to start messaging people about Jackson Dart, <laughs> but. Uh, no, you're right. And honestly, like I'm, I'm the one pimping out Jackson Dart, and yet, like I haven't sent out any offers. I now, I ha- I have him in one of my, um, one of my three C to C leagues, so I already have him in one. In fact, the the hilarious thing is, I tried trading him in the off season to try to get another running back, and the guy said, "Oh, what am I going to do with a backup QB?" And I was like, he's not going to be the backup QB. This is when, you know, I went on my whole Spencer Sanders rant about how he's garbage. And yeah, you know, here we are. And and now we're saying like, go trade for him and all that. But like, I think that he might be one of the best buys in Debbie and, and C2C right now because people aren't there yet. Like you said, and especially if we assume that he's going to come back, he immediately becomes a top three QB in that class at the very least. And I really think that he's, he's top three and he ain't three, you know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. So, um, I, I think that he is easily a big buy. And then I, uh, after dart, honestly, I have Jordan Travis, but he's another tier below. And so, you know, I, I think, like I said, I, at this point, we're truly in the honorable mention part where, I just don't think that you're an actual NFL QB. Maybe you get some spot starts here and there and that kind of thing, but like I'm nobody that I'm like trading for or being getting excited about or anything like that. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, we've gone pretty long already, you know, talking about the QBs, but I mean, I, I think that it was, it was a good quality talk there, you know, getting some good info out for the listeners do we do we want to go over the game of the week real quick or do we want to just call it a night <laughs> do you want to, let's just talk about luther burden because we have to uh okay. just we can, we can talk about luther burden right. um now i i do i do think it sucks because i don't believe that brady cook is going to play this week um if i remember correctly i i believe he is injured and so when Luther Burden doesn't do anything this week, it's just going to be, oh, well, he didn't have his QB. And so that kind of sucks. 
Um, now, I guess on the other hand, if he actually does do something, then, you know, then it's going to be, oh, he didn't have his QB and he was good, like that kind of thing. But, you know, we we saw like an unbelievable start for Luther Burden when you were playing literally no one. And then since they've started playing actual defenses, he's been good, but he hasn't been nearly as good. And it's it's just all these like little dinks and dunks and all that kind of stuff that are making his games. Like it, people will show you the highlight of the one deep play for 15 yards, 20 yards or whatever. But every other play is, is right at the line of scrimmage and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, his a dot is literally still 7.8 yards per attempt. Like it's not, this is not like real, a real offense. Well, the last two weeks, his a dot was, and this is according to PFF, uh, 13.9 against South Carolina and 10.2 against Kentucky. And I, I have 8.4 8. for the whole season. So not the best, but not bad for a slot think, receiver. Like it's not, you know, you're not, you're not expecting down, too many down the field routes for him. But uh, like you said, um, he had the big game against LSU, who you've already mentioned has a horrible defense. And then he had a horrible week against Kentucky. So I'm not sure that ADOT really makes much of a difference because he only had two catches for 15 yards in that game. Uh, but South yep. Carolina, he had uh, five catches for 97 yards and a touchdown. And like I said, that ADOT was 13.9 in that game. So I don't know. That's better. Uh, but South Carolina's defense has been pretty terrible too, hasn't it? I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not trying to discount every team he's <laughs> played or anything like head. that. Like it's obviously, it, it's an SEC team. I'll give them credit. But I'm pretty sure that they've been pretty terrible. <laughs> but so just looking at their coverage, you know, PFF ranks. Yeah, they don't really have anybody ranked above like a 75 as far as like PFF rankings. Which take your take that with a grain of salt. Hasn't been fantastic. So you're right. But it is still an SEC opponent. It is. It, they play Georgia this is. week. So I think this is going to be the ultimate test. Georgia, unfortunately, like you said, no Brady Cook, who has been pretty darn good this year, all things considered, for a guy that really nobody had any faith in. Uh, let's say Luther Burden goes out there and has you know more than five catches, inches in on you know seventy-five to hundred yards, uh, maybe scores a touchdown. I think that would be good enough to where you would say, you know, he did it against an elite opponent. Granted, Georgia, we've already mentioned, hasn't had the Georgia defense that we've known and become accustomed to over the last two years. Um, but there's still a good defense. So um, we'll see what happens. You know, he doesn't have his quarterback. I'm not going to make excuses for the guys. Lots of lots of wide receivers don't have their quarterbacks and still a big game. So. I don't think that that's an uh, excuse that you can really get away with in college as much as you can in the pros. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens because, I mean, like you said, he, he he had the one big game against LSU, but then he completely falls off against Kentucky. Uh, I'm very interested to see what happens. Um, I like I like Beth is a lot smarter than I am, um, and Beth likes Luther Burden. I don't. <laughs> it's just like, I, I just don't believe it's real, and so that's what it's become. Um, and I I don't like arguing with Beth because I usually lose. That's good. I mean, that's fair. You're probably that's smart on your behalf. So maybe you are smarter than Beth. 
<laughs> maybe who knows um but yeah i, I was gonna look up uh, i was gonna look up uh who uh, i was gonna look up uh south carolina's defense but it's really not all that important uh obviously as far as the game is concerned uh georgia's uh 15.5 point uh favorite here is i mean obviously without brady cook like is there any chance or any reason to bet against georgia here like it doesn't make any sense after what i because i really thought florida had the best like had a decent chance to beat them because graham mertz has been so efficient and like they haven't been pressuring any of their you know like i said earlier they only had 11 sacks prior to last week going against florida and graham mertz just doesn't turn the ball over and i thought it was going to be a close game and they dominated florida so I don't recommend betting against Georgia. I think 15 and a half is not that big of a number. I think this game's in Georgia. So yeah, I would, I would, I would take them laying 15 and a half all day. Yeah. I don't think there's any reason to, uh, to really bet against them. Obviously Brock Bauer is not playing hurts, but I think that, um, you know, Dominic Lovett is, is taking a step forward, uh, whether that has to do with, I think it was even before Bowers got hurt that Lovett kind of started taking a step forward with Carson Beck getting a little more comfortable, all that kind of stuff. Last week we saw Lab McConkey uh, have a huge week, like 150 yards or something like that, and that probably was because of uh, of Bowers being out. Uh, what is it, Oscar Delp uh, taking over possibly? I don't think it's going to be the end of the world for Bowers to be out. Obviously, you miss somebody like that. But when you're talking about going up against Mizzou against you know backup QB, yeah, I'm I don't see any reason to bet against Georgia here. Yeah, um, I won't get off on too much of a Georgia tangent, but Dejon Edwards has also looked better than he has in the past. Uh, he's kind of stepped into that RB one role because nobody else seems to want it. So, um, oh, not Kendall Milton? No, not not him. I don't know what's Wasn't up with Kendall him? Milton. It was supposed to be Kendall Milton. I don't know. Is he still hurt? He still plays. Yeah, I, I mean, at this point, we just have to assume that he's just not good. Like, uh, if he is hurt, then that's just part of his profile now. Because, like you said, yeah. he plays every game. He's yeah. just like, okay, he plays, he's hurt. He, okay. also, he also has a bum hamstring. You just got to factor that into his profile. Yeah, like he's not an NFL running back. It's just never going to happen. Yeah, he's done. All right, enough about Georgia. Are there any other games that you truly care about this week? Obviously, we know we, we need to continue. J.J. McCarthy needs to continue doing J.J. McCarthy things. Jaden Daniels needs to continue on um, because I, I kind of love that the my two, like my guys now, are uh, are, are the Heisman uh, favorites, the, the two Heisman favorites. So we got to continue the string along, and one of them has to win it. I will actually be at the big house to watch JJ McCarthy in person. So that's the one game that I really care about because it's the one I'm going to be at. Ooh, and I like it. they play Purdue, which they should win easily, but it'll be fun to actually watch JJ McCarthy in person. Hoping to see him hit Roman Wilson for a couple touchdowns. We shall see. Get me an autographed Jersey. I Do will. I'm, I'll get a couple of them. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. Perfect. I appreciate that. <laughs> and we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we're right around the hour, hour and a half mark. I guess you know, we did a pretty good job. And hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed it and uh, 
appreciate the QB talk and all that kind of good stuff. But we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Andy, do you have anything that you would like to leave us with words of wisdom or anything before we get out of here? Uh, geez. I see so you need to like warn me about this stuff so I can prepare like a wise saying, like maybe a haiku or something I can read to you guys, but no, I'm go trade, wise. go trade for Jackson dart. I mean, yes, that, that's all I mean, you have to said say that already. I think that's what I'm about to go do as soon as we sign out of here. It, that's that's it the words of wisdom go trade for jackson dart we appreciate you guys listening we'll be back in your ears in a couple weeks until then we are cashing out see you oh i gotta remember to play the uh the outro i'm gonna do that right now